Good afternoon and welcome back to <clears throat> Five Go to Smuggler's Top. And thank you for joining me for chapter 10. So chapter 10 is called Timmy Makes a Noise. Ooh, that does not bode well, does it? Um, so here goes. The three girls were very excited the next day when the boys told them their adventure of the night before. Gracious, said Anne, her eyes wide with surprise. Who can it be signalling like that? And wherever did he go to? Fancy him going into Block's room with Block there in bed. It's very peculiar, said George. I wish you'd come and told me and Anne. Well, there wasn't time. And anyway, we couldn't have had Timmy about at night. He might have flown at the signaller, said Dick. <clears throat> the man must have been signalling the smugglers, said Julian thoughtfully. Let me see. Probably they came over from France in a ship came as near to the marsh as they could, waited for the signal to tell them that the coast was clear, probably the signal from the tower, and then waded across a path they knew through the marsh. Each man must have carried a torch to prevent himself from leaving the path and falling into the marsh. No doubt there was someone waiting to receive the goods they brought, someone at the edge of the marsh below the hill. <clears throat> but who, said Dick, it can't have been Mr Barling, who, Sooty says, is known to be a smuggler, because the signal lights came from our house, not his. It's all very puzzling. Well, we'll do our best to solve the mystery, said George. There's some peculiar game going on in this very house, without your father's knowledge, Sooty. We'll keep a jolly good lookout and see if we can find out what it is. They were at breakfast alone when they discussed the night's adventure. Block came in to see if they'd finished at that moment. Anne did not notice him. What does Mr Barling smuggle? she asked Sooty. Immediately she got a hard kick on her ankle and stared in pain and surprise. Why did you... she began and got another kick, harder still. Then she saw Block. But he's deaf, she said. He can't hear anything we say. Block began to clear away, his face as usual, showing no expression. Sooty glared at Anne. She was upset and cross, but said no more. She rubbed her bruised ankle hard. As soon as Block went out of the room, she turned on Sooty. You mean thing! You hurt my ankle like anything! Why shouldn't I say things in front of Block? He's quite deaf, said Anne, her face very red. I know he's supposed to be, said Sooty, and I think he is. But I saw a funny look come over his face when you asked me what Mr Barling smuggled, almost as if he heard what you said and was surprised. You imagined it, said Anne crossly, still rubbing her ankle. Anyway, don't kick me so hard again. A gentle push with your toe would have been enough. I won't talk in front of Block if you don't want me to, but it's quite plain he's as deaf as a post. Yes, he's deaf all right, said Dick. I dropped a plate off the table yesterday by accident, just behind him, and it smashed to bits, if you remember. Well, he didn't jump or turn a hair, as he would have done if he could have heard. 
All the same, I never trust Block. Deaf or not, said Sooty. I always feel he might read lips or something. Deaf people can often do that, you know. <clears throat> they went off to take Timmy for his usual morning walk. Timmy was quite used to being shut in the laundry basket by now and lowered into the pit. In fact, he always jumped straight into the basket as soon as the lid was opened and lay down. That morning they again met Block, who stared with great interest at the dog. He plainly recognised it as the same dog as before. There's Block, said Julian in a low voice. Don't drive Timmy off this time. We'll pretend he's a stray who always meets us each morning. So they let Timmy run around them, and when Block came up, they nodded to him and made as if to go on their way. But the man stopped them. That dog seems to be a friend of yours, he said in his curious monotone of a voice. Oh, yes. He goes with us each morning now, said Julian politely. He quite thinks he's our dog. Nice fellow, isn't he? Block stared at Timmy, who growled. Mind you do not bring that house, that dog into the house, said Block. If you do, Mr. Lenoir will have him killed. <gasps> Julian saw George's face beginning to turn red with fury. He spoke hurriedly. Why should we bring him to the house, Block? Don't be silly. Block, however, did not appear to hear. He gave Timmy a nasty look and went on his way, occasionally turning round to look at the little company of children. Horrid fellow, said George angrily. How dare he say things like that? When they got back to Marybelle's bedroom that morning, they pulled Timmy up from the pit and let him out of the basket. We'll put him into the secret passage. As usual, said George, and I'll put some biscuits in with him. I got some nice ones for him this morning, the sort he likes, all big and crunchy. She went to the door, but just as she was about to unlock it and take Timmy into Sooty's room next door, Timmy gave a small growl. George took her hand away from the door at once. She turned to look at Timmy. He was standing stiffly, the hackles on his neck rising up and he was staring fixedly at the door. George put her hand to her lips warningly and whispered, <clears throat> Someone's outside. Timmy knows. He smelt them. Will you all talk loudly and pretend to be playing a game? I'll pop Timmy into the cupboard where the rope ladder is kept. At once the others began to talk to one another while George swiftly dragged Timmy to the cupboard, patted him to make sure, make him understand he was to be quiet and shut him in. My turn to deal, said Julian loudly and took a pack of snap cards from the top of the chest. You won last time, Dick. Bet I'll win this time. He dealt swiftly, the others still talking loudly, saying anything that came into their heads began to play snap. They yelled snap nearly all the time, pretending to be very jolly and hilarious. Anyone listening outside the door would never guess it was all pretense. <clears throat> George, who was watching the door closely, saw that the handle was gradually turning, very slowly indeed. Someone meant to open the door without being heard and come in unexpectedly, but the door was locked. Soon the person outside, whoever it was, realised that the door was locked and the handle slowly turned round the other way. Then it was still. 
there came no other sound. It was impossible to know if anyone was still outside the door or not, but Timmy would know. Signing to the others to carry on with their shouting and laughing, George let Timmy out of the cupboard. He ran to the door of the room and stood there, sniffing quietly. Then he turned and looked at George, his tail wagging. It's all right, said George to the others, and there's no one there now. Timmy always knows. We'd better quickly take him into your room, Sooty, while the coast is clear. Who could it have been, do you think, snooping outside? <laughs> Block, I should say, said Sooty. He unlocked the door and peered out. There was no one in the passage. Sooty tiptoed to the door at the end and looked out there also. He waved to George to tell her it was all right to take Timmy into his room. Soon Timmy was safely in the secret passage, crunching up his favourite biscuits. He'd got quite used to this peculiar life now and did not mind at all. He knew his way about the passage and had explored other passages that led from it. He was quite at home in the maze of secret ways. Better go and have our dinner now, said Dick. And mind, Anne, don't go and say anything silly in front of that horrid block in case he reads your lips. Of course I shan't, said Anne indignantly. I wouldn't have before, but I never thought of him reading my lips. If he does, he's very clever. Soon they were all sitting down to lunch. Block was there waiting to serve them. Sarah was out for the day and did not appear. Block served them with soup and then went out. Suddenly, to the children's intense surprise and fright, they heard Timmy barking loudly. They jumped violently. Listen, that's Timmy, said Julian. He must be somewhere near here in that secret passage. How weird it sounds, his bark coming muffled and distant like that. But anyone would know it was a dog barking. Don't say anything at all about it in front of Block, said Sooty. What, not a word. Pretend not to hear at all if Timmy barks again. What on earth is he barking for? It's the bark he uses when he's excited and pleased, said George. I expect he's chasing a rat. He always goes right off his head when he sees a rat or a rabbit. Oh, there he goes again. Oh dear, I do hope he catches the rat quickly and settles down. Block came back at that moment. Timmy had again just stopped barking. But in a moment or two, his doggy voice could be heard once more, very muffled. Woof! 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 Julian was watching Block closely. The man went on serving the meat. He said nothing, but looked around at the children intently, as if he wanted to see each child's expression, or see if they said anything. Jolly good soup that was today, said Julian cheerfully, looking round at the others. I must say, Sarah is a wonderful cook. I think her ginger buns are gorgeous, said Anne, especially when they're all hot from the oven. Woof, woof, said Timmy's voice from far away behind the walls. George, your mother makes the most heavenly fruitcake I ever tasted, said Dick to George, wishing Timmy would be quiet. I do wonder how they're all getting on at Kieran Cottage and if they've started mending the roof yet. Woof, said Timmy, joyfully chasing his rat down another bit of passage. Block served everyone and then silently disappeared. Julian went to the door to make sure he had gone and was not outside. I hope old Block is as deaf as a post, he said. I could have sworn I saw a surprised look come into those cold eyes of his when Timmy barked. 
Well, if he could hear him, which I don't believe, said George, he must have been jolly surprised to see us all talking away and not paying any attention to a dog's barking at all. The others giggled. They kept a sharp ear for Block's return. They heard footsteps after a time. <sighs> and began to pile their plates together for him to take away. The schoolroom door opened. But it was not Block who came in. <gasps> it was Mr. Lenoir. He came in smiling as usual and looked around at the surprised children. Ah, so you're enjoying your dinner and eating it all up like good children, he said. He always irritated the children because he spoke to them as if they were very small. <clears throat> Does Block wait on you properly? Oh, yes, thank you, said Julian, standing up politely. We're having a very nice time here. We think Sarah is a wonderful cook. Ah, oh, that's good, that's good, said Mr Lenoir. The children waited impatiently for him to go. They were so afraid that Timmy would bark again. But Mr Lenoir seemed in no hurry. And then Timmy barked again. Woof, woof, woof! Oh my goodness! Oh, Timmy, why, why, why? Dear me. Well, tomorrow we'll read chapter 11 and we will find out whether Miss Lenoir could hear um, Timmy barking. Honestly, oh, poor, poor, poor Timmy. Fancy not being able to bark, but unfortunately... Uh -huh. Unfortunately, they do, dogs, don't they? Right, oh my goodness me. I will go and I will see you all again tomorrow for chapter 11 to see what happens next. It's getting scary. <laughs> anyway, um, you make sure that you take care and stay safe all the time that you're having a wonderful day and I will see you all again tomorrow. Bye for now.